Inappropriate urination is one of the leading reasons cat owners bring their feline friends to the veterinarian, but sometimes the cause of the problem is behavioral rather than medical. We have one of the nation's leading animal behaviorists, Dr. Amy Pike, on the podcast today to discuss some of the leading causes of inappropriate urination and how you can address them in your home. So prepare a fresh batch of kitty litter in the box and let's get started with the Family Pet Podcast. Welcome into the Family Pet Podcast, the podcast for curious pet parents, where we believe the more you know about pet healthcare, the better pet parent you can be. I'm your host, Michael Shirley, joined with, by my brother. I, I don't know, I've just run out of things to say about you, but you look good today. I'll tell you that. That's a compliment. I'm, I'm feeling well-rested because last week's episode about uh, puppy potty training, we, I, I mean, I took notes, I ran home, and it instantly implemented so many of the steps with Winston, and it has gone so much better. Well, good. So much better. So, so that's why you're glowing. I'm, I am smiling, glowing, and well-rested. Now, for all you listeners out there, starting in July, when we move, you'll be able to see our glowing faces because we are going to be adding video to our podcast. So we'll record live uh, we'll record the audio and everything and video at the same time. We'll just put that straight to YouTube without any editing, and then we'll edit what's posted, um, what you're hearing right now, what you're downloading. But we're doing that when we do what, Stephen? When we move. Yes. Yeah, we're very, getting very so soon. close. Very if, soon. If you are listening to this podcast and you are within driving distance of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, we invite you on July the 15th for our grand opening uh, open house tours. We're going to be recording podcasts. That's right. We're going to be recording with our guests like that are walking through um, stories about their pets. And we're going to make a, an episode all about like how people came up with their pets' names or how they met their pet or how their pet came to be a part of their family. So if you want to get that recorded, you can join if us. If you want to be on the podcast, yeah, this to, is your opportunity, your right. invitation. You can say, not only am I a listener, I was a guest. That's right. Now today, what you kind of speaking of with that potty training theme, uh, we today's guest, we are very excited to have Dr. Amy Pike. She is a board-certified animal behaviorist, uh, and she and uh, her partner, Amy, which we'll talk about a little later, they own Animal Behavior Wellness Center in Virginia. Dr. Pike, thanks for joining the Family Pet Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, I, is, she our, is Dr. Pike our first boarded... No, we had Dr. Kurt, which was a boarded avian, avian. veterinarian. Uh, Dr. Oh, Pike, yeah, wow. I know. We, he is in rare. There's not many of them, and we had him on the Family Pit no, Podcast. No, there aren't. There, yeah. There's not many of me either. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was, I was just about to say. Uh, and we're keeping with that theme of finding the experts, the true experts in the field. But Dr. Pike, in case people haven't heard our episode where we talked to Dr. Kurt, what does it mean to be boarded as an animal behaviorist? Yeah. Yeah, so being boarded means you've done a residency in addition to veterinary school. So I did a three-year residency after school in uh, behavioral medicine. And how long did that take? So you had to go to you know undergrad, then four years of veterinary school, and, yeah. and then what? Yeah. yeah, so you can do one of two things. You can either do um, practice, like general practice after um, vet school, and do an equivalent um, amount of practice as you would get in a one-year rotating internship. So 
I did not do an internship. I was actually went into the Army as an Army veterinarian and, and practiced there for three years and then did another six years of general practice after I got out and then decided to do a residency. So it was, it was kind of a long process for me. Well, is, has it been worth it? Are, are you enjoying the, the behavior yeah. stuff? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I love it. Well, today we're going to be talking about fe um, inappropriate feline urination. And people may say, what? that's such a weird wow. title. Yeah. What? A, what? And, and how does that relate to the behavior? But and any, any owner of a cat, that is the number one thing that they come to the clinic for is, is inappropriate urination. That's their, that's their concern. Absolutely. Unfortunately, yep. um, we don't see cats as often as we see the dogs, and it's it's because I think that they're a little stoic with anything that may be ailing them, or people have a, a misconception that if their cat lives indoors, it doesn't need to have all the shots and vaccines and heartworm prevention. But we've we've talked in previous episodes, Doctor Pike. You can, we're we're going to skip over all that because we've even talked about mm -hmm. urination problems before and how they relate to medical conditions. But today. Uh, we're going to pull on your expertise. How in the world does inappropriate feline urination relate to behavior? Yeah, so, I mean, the first, just like you said, the first thing that we need to rule out for is medical, though. So um, behavior is very much a rule-out diagnosis, meaning we have to make sure that there's nothing like urinary tract infection or stones, et cetera, that's causing uh, the cat to not want to use the litter box. And then once we've ruled all that out, then we can say, all right, well, this is actually a behavioral concern. And it kind of depends on the type of urination that we're talking about, because there's there's two types of unwanted elimination um, or unwanted urination is urine marking um, and then urine toileting or um, inappropriate elimination, some people call it. So basically one is uh, you know, kind of a spray of urine. So people sometimes call it spraying. And then the other is I'm voiding a full bladder um, for various reasons. I feel like I need to back up a second and, and just ask, as someone who is not as informed about cats, why do cats use litter boxes in the first place? Can we <laughs> back a, up and explain that? You know, that's Bef actually a really good question. I don't know before, yeah, before we say why they're doing something, quote unquote, wrong, I don't understand why they do something right. that is deemed right. <laughs> yeah. So that's a very good question. Um, cats are what are called latrining animals. So they like to have a location, a particular location that they go to the bathroom in. And oftentimes outside, um, that is in dirt. And so if you think about what we provide um, inside the house is, you know, clay clumping litter that we're essentially mimicking what they would have outside and providing an appropriate location, at least from our standpoint, that we are allowing the cat to go. Then the other piece of that puzzle too is that uh, cats mimic what their mothers do. And so if we provide the mother cat uh, with a litter box and she's using the box, then the kittens are gonna follow suit and do exactly like mom does. If they were outside, would they just find any soft space to go or do they use the same yeah. spot? They typically try and use the same spot um, because then they can bury it and kind of keep the, the rest of their area, the rest of their territory clean. Because as you know, cats are extremely fastidious creatures um, and love to be clean and stay clean. And they love a clean litter box too. So that's part of the behavior problem. I, 
I just keep thinking back to when Michael and I were younger. They had a sandbox in our backyard. (laughs) And the cat, there were some cats who used the sandbox and they would discover when they're playing in the sand, oh, hey, (laughs) somebody left a present. There's a Tootsie Roll in here. I don't remember dropping Tootsie Rolls in here. A big one, a big one. Let's assume that our curious pet parents at home have the appropriate amount of litter boxes for their cat. Let's also assume that they've brought their cat to the vet after inappropriate elimination and we have run blood work and urine tests and everything has checked off as normal. Where do we go next? Is that when we were like, well, let's call in the behavior. That, is, that, is it, that's exactly right. Okay. That, that's time for us to, to get involved because at this point, it's something that is causing fear, anxiety, and stress um, either in the cat or in association with the litter box. So we can even have things like, let's say the cat had a urinary tract infection six months ago. They mm-hmm. came in, you treated it and cleared that up, but the last time they used the litter box, it hurt to pee in there. And so the cat doesn't understand, well, okay, my doctor cleared up my urinary tract infection with the antibiotics that you know my mom's been giving me for a week or whatever. They don't want to go back to the litter box because it hurt them last time. So they're going to choose a different location. So so the other reason, um, and like I said, it's all fear, anxiety, and stress related, but most often, especially in a multi-cat household, it is about inner cat conflict. Um, and even just subtle conflict with your housemates can cause enough stress and anxiety to, um, to make you want to uh, not use the litter box. What are our solutions for those problems that you just mentioned like for the yeah so do we just replace move the litter box or change the litter box yeah so i mean if you can set up what we call the litter box cafeteria um and so let's say we think okay maybe it's something about the location of the litter box well let's offer several other locations that the that the cat you know maybe prefers maybe they're already going in a particular location let's go ahead and put a litter box there we can offer a litter box cafeteria um, of different substrate preferences. So, you know, like I said, most cats are going to uh, poop or pee in sand or clay clumping litter. But I've had cats over the years where they prefer something else. My own, my own personal cat prefers pellets and she does not like clay clumping litter, I think, because it kind of sticks to her paws and she doesn't like it. But <laughs> I had a a, tree, a case one time where the, these owners brought in a, you know, quote unquote feral cat from outside and um, provided it with with a very appropriate litter box, and he refused to use it. And when I asked them what did he prefer when he was outside, like did you ever see him actually going to the bathroom outside? They're like, oh yeah, he always used our mulch beds, and so we just provided him mulch in a litter box inside, and he started using the box. That you was the same thing that we had to do for Stephen. When we were getting him out of diapers, I've heard stories. Cannot believe that. that you interrupted our guest to lie. I mean, just whatever. All right, so I love it. I, I, I'm hearing you. You talked about the 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 litter box cafeteria. So I've got this. I've, mm-hmm. I have this in mind that the the individual will go to the pet store and buy a few different types of litter boxes. So maybe the mm-hmm. design. And then get a yeah. few different types of kitty litter. So you've got the clay, you've got pellets, you've got sand, whatever whatever the options. I, I'm not a cat owner, so I'm not as versed on what the options are. But then putting different boxes, different litter in different spots 
and then just watching to see if the cat chooses one and that that's your yeah. solution? Yeah, it's almost like voting, right? Like the cat's <laughs> going to tell you which one it prefers So by how many times you're scooping that box out. So you can kind of figure out which one it, it really likes. And so that'll take care of if there's any sort of issues with like the substrate or the location or the type of box. But then if that alone didn't solve the problem, we do have to treat that underlying fear, anxiety, and stress. How hard is it to identify the underlining issue? It can be pretty hard, unfortunately. Um, it does take a lot of sleuthing, um, and sometimes it takes a lot of trial and error because, especially like if we are talking about um, fear, anxiety, and stress, there's a number of different ways that we go about treating that, including products. And just like with people, you know, that some people take Prozac and it helps. Some people take Prozac and it doesn't help. And so sometimes it's this whole trial and error of trying to figure out, you know, what works and why. And of course, my cat patients can't always tell me what's going on. Um, so, that, you know, again, they, we'll let them vote on their box, but they're not going to tell me why, why they're stressed. So we have to kind of do a little sleuthing and, and digging and figuring out with the owner. How, how committed do you find people, by the time they get to you, are, are they committed to to finding the solution to their issues or do people stick with it? Or do you have people that just give up? Like, what does that journey look like for no. your clients? Yeah. For the most part, I would say my, my clients are incredibly dedicated because they have made that decision to come see me. And, and especially I think, you know, 10 years ago, it's like, I have to go see the, the cat psychiatrist. Right. But now it's definitely, you know, much more um, ingrained in our society of like mental health for, for people. And, and I think a lot of people are, are sort of taking that leap for their pets as well, which is awesome. But, but yeah, they are a thousand percent committed by the time they get to me and, and are happy to have, you know, my, me and my staff to help guide them through that process. So uh, aside from the really negative aspect of the urination outside of where it needs to be. It it sounds mm -hmm. like a fascinating, almost fun journey to try to figure that out. It's like this big puzzle that I imagine would be ultimately incredibly rewarding just to solve it. And then the benefit of, oh, and now we have appropriate urination inside a litter box. Exactly. And that's, that's actually why I really love behavior because it is like a puzzle. Um, I always said in vet school, I was either going to do neurology because it is like a puzzle too, right? But trying to localize the lesion or behavior and, and ended up going down the behavior pathway. I think it's really fascinating. The, you know, every, every pet is different, just like every person is different. Do you find there are common causes that you go to first? Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to start our journey to ruling things out with this because it's the most common. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like you said, uh, you know, the number one thing that you see from cats in practice that you know is urination outside the litter box. That's the number one thing I see too. But the causes for that most often are inner cat conflict, and so treating the social dynamics of the household um, can go a really long way to um, helping with that. And then um, just again, like the underlying fear, anxiety, and stress um, in the individual that we're treating. In the inner cat conflict, I know you can't bring them all in, have group counseling with the feline counseling. <laughs> do you mm -hmm. do you find in your experience is that be from a new cat being introduced to the to the home later, or or is it like Dr. Shirley and I have two litter mates 
Is it more common in your experience that two litter mates would all of a sudden start having conflict? Or is it more common that the conflict is because we brought a new cat into the house and we didn't introduce it properly? Yeah, it is. It is most often that we knew, brought a new cat into the house and didn't introduce it properly. But even if we have two litter mates, especially if it's a male and a female or two males, that can absolutely end in conflict later on because uh, cats live in these uh, colonies that are called matrilineal colonies, which means it's all related females. So mothers, sisters, nieces, aunts, and they, you know, all have kittens and they co-raise everybody's kittens. And then when the males are old enough to, to basically move away and find their own mates, they do that. And so if we, let's say, have a brother and a sister that we have adopted um, together, naturally around age two, the male is going to go off and find its own territory. And so they may start to have some conflict because he can't just leave the house and, and go away. And the, the girl is like, this is not how I live. I don't live with boys. So this is, I mean, ethologically, um, it really can backfire on us if we don't get two female siblings together. Um, and again, like you said, bringing in a cat later that is unrelated to the current housemates, that's like a college picking your roommate. It, right. can, it can go fine. It can go really, really south on you. <laughs> All of our curious pet parents at home are like, oh, yeah, that uh, just that just that, that just yeah. set with them. Stephen, you had a good right? roommate. I know. You had a good roommate. We've all been there. <laughs> third try. It was your third. Jimmy was your third roommate. Yes, that was my third. Maybe roommate. you were the problem. <laughs> my first I roommate. Those my first roommate moved out after one semester. <laughs> I don't blame him. So. I understand, Doctor Pike. What have we not asked you about this topic that we should have? Oh my gosh. Ooh, that, see, I come I with like the hard hitting questions. For hours. I know. Yeah, that, I feel like I could talk for hours. Um. You know, I think the best thing to think about in a cat household is how much territory we can really provide for them. And so how do we set up a multi-cat household? Because, you know, cats are like potato chips. Nobody just has one. So, like, how can we set that uh, house up for success? And it, it really is about having enough resources, like you said, you know, number of litter boxes. Um, and... I find that N plus one, you know, number of cats you have plus one is probably an underestimation of how many you should have. You should definitely have taken to how many floors, you know, you have in your house into account, but enough food and water stations, enough opportunities for cats to do normal cat things like scratch and hunt um, and giving them enough vertical spacing because we can, we can't provide miles of territory in a household, which is what cats are used to outside. So if we go up um, and provide them climbing opportunities and modify their environment in that fashion, that alone can set up, uh, you know, any multi-cat household for great success. One thing you said, we could talk for hours, but unfortunately our podcast can't last for hours. I for, mean, it could. Well, yes, we, we've had a few <laughs> episodes go a little bit longer. For those listeners who have more questions or want to learn more about this do you have resources? Do you have suggestions where they can go to get more information? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of great online resources. My favorite um, is out of the Ohio State University. Um, their 
indoor pet initiative. Um, so you can go on there and it talks about how you can modify your environment appropriately for all these indoor cats that we want to house in our houses. And then my other favorite one is actually a book that each chapter is written by um, one of my colleagues. I do have a chapter in there myself, but it's a book called Decoding Your Cat by the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists. And it's basically teaches you all about what a cat is, how it lives, and basically solving any of the most common behavior problems that you might have. Well, that's fantastic. I, I appreciate that. I will put those in our show notes so those people, as they come across uh, the oh, wait, episode, it'll be We there. have breaking news. I finally got to use that. It was really quiet, though. I got to turn that volume up. What? We have breaking news. Dr. Pike, you have... Yeah. A podcast coming out, right? I do. Tell yeah, us about myself it. And, yeah, myself and Dr. Amy Learn, who is my business partner and fellow boarded uh, behaviorist, we are starting a podcast called The Behavior Buzz with the two Amy's. And so we're going to be talking about everything uh, veterinary behavior medicine and having lots of fun guests and, you know, getting a little buzzed perhaps on some signature cocktails. Well, so. we, 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 <laughs> that's nice. Now I, like I get it. to, this is great. Well, we have a multi-time guest on our podcast, Pam Johnson Bennett, who we love, who loves cats. And she's helped us out a lot. You should have her on. I'll, I'll make an introduction. She's I love a, her. I love is, Pam. She yes. is such a great person. She's a great get, podcast guest. We've trained her well. Awesome. Actually, we awesome. didn't train her we at all. Her she at came all. fully trained. That's right. She trained us. <laughs> so, but she is um she's here local in our town and we we love her to death. So oh, excellent. It is time in it, our show. There it is. For the fun fact, uh, Dr. Pike, this is the you know, we have curious pet parents out there and we try to give them a little bit of information that they can use to win at trivia night or at least impress their <laughs> friends and family at dinner. Do you have a fun fact for us for today? I do. So my daughter and I went to Iceland over her spring break. And what I learned before I went and was very excited about was that Iceland doesn't have any mosquitoes. What? <laughs> I know. We wouldn't have to trade heartworm disease over there, but it was crazy. It was awesome. The only way it could get better is if they also don't have ticks and chiggers. Chiggers. No chiggers. Uh, yeah, that I don't know. I already, yeah. got, already got my first... <laughs> chigger bite of the season which i was depressed oh, which means that no. until mm, january i'll be wearing bug spray with deet so <laughs> so oh going back michael yeah. is squirreling all over the place no mosquitoes in iceland um, that's yeah, it none. there's your fun fact i'm ready to Crazy. take my vacation <laughs> that's now. right i don't know if i'd go for a <laughs> winter vacation i'll should. go in summer vacation <laughs> Iceland. Well, very good. Well, Dr. Pike, thank it you. It was a little chilly. Yeah. It, no matter what time of the year it is there, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Dr. Pike, thank you for joining us on the Family Pet Podcast and bringing a little information to our curious pet parents out there. We think that everybody should have learned a little something. I learned uh, matrilineal. I wrote it down. Female-led cat colonies. <laughs> I'm going to use that somewhere else along with no mosquitoes in Iceland. Michael got a twofer on this I one. I did. So if you are listening out there, be sure to be uh, looking for The Behavior Buzz, another podcast. And Stephen's going to link uh, the things that we talked about today in the show notes as well. And until next time, stay curious. 
Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet Podcast is a production of Family Pet Health PLLC and is recorded in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only, and you should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on anything that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review and follow wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com. Fantastic. Michael went to town on the horn. Was it loud on your Yes. Oh. <laughs>